0: You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknomedia.com. Broadcasting from the Blanchestan Center. This
1: is Phoenix FM. The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together
2: to chat bad movies and share pornography
1: According to the Nerd Index, you should be upside down in a junior high toilet
2: around the clock. Yes. Yes. Oh, this is We'll do live. Talk is in, talk is out. You ever miss communication?
3: Falls It's over 9,000! My name is Foxy. The balls are in there. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of the Nerd to Know Basis Show. My name is Keanu Calicorn, and going in alphabetical order, please introduce yourselves.
1: Hey, yo, it's Bryn.
2: Woo!
3: Katie, Katie, you're next. You. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I always get this wrong. I'm like, Kev goes next. No, he doesn't. Katie goes next.
1: need <laughs> to get to an alphabet chart, Katie?
2: <laughs> uh, will you please? And also a map of the world. <laughs> is it a crime to be illiterate?
1: <laughs> yes! <laughs>
3: <laughs> All well, right, I'll tell you what, just, I'll tee you I, up, Katie. I, I Coming just from the magical world week, of just, sheep... Just, And cats objecting vocally for no particular reason. We have...
2: I just want to go one week without embarrassing myself. Like, is that too much to ask?
3: Apparently so. Always.
2: For everyone. (laughs) Anyway, yes, I am here. It is me.
3: (laughs) Thank you, Katie. That that was wonderful. And finally... comes
2: last.
3: (laughs) (laughs) With the letter of the day.
2: Kev I mean technically if we're going by shirts you should have gone first
3: this is on the radio (laughs) Katie
2: yes but I can see his shirt for those
0: of you in radio land my shirt says Alan
1: that's <laughs> them in the, in the, po- the, the popular 1977 or 79 uh, sci fi horror film.
2: In space. Nobody can hear you in space.
3: <laughs> I'm sure 1% Randy of our audience it. got that. So we'll go in counter alphabetical order then this time. Kev, how are you
0: doing? Oh no,
2: you're confusing me now. <laughs> I'm you're in good, the middle yes.
3: either way.
0: <laughs> Katie, what's five times two?
2: <laughs> um, I mean, it's at least 40.
0: You got, no, you know what? She's on of something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I am doing, onto to news and content, I am doing great because I uh, heard, frankly, a headline I didn't anticipate seeing ever just drop out of nowhere. It was revealed over the week that uh, Square Enix are licensing a Final Fantasy IX animated series. Woo! Woo! (laughs) Not to
3: say I'm not grateful, but
0: who asked for this?
3: (laughs) Yeah, because for people who may not know, Final Fantasy IX was the last final fantasy game released for the playstation one and, and like it doesn't I like definitely much- like yeah
0: I, it like it, it's definitely st- like in my opinion it's kind of an underdog of the franchise that doesn't mm. get a whole lot of love mm. uh, and this is coming from someone who nine is absolutely without a doubt my favorite of the, of the franchise
3: mm.
0: uh, but i just yeah i don't quite know uh, but To kind of go to more detail on it, uh, it has been licensed out to a France based animation studio called Cyber Group Studios. uh, With currently uh, details very thin on the ground, onto what, you know, length, content, actual that, like actual details. But all they know is that it is going to be targeted mostly uh, between the 8 to 13 demographic. Which gives a lot of room for kind of leeway, but being just a, a full-blown, like, very much children's show or being kind of something that aimed at children harkens to a lot of Final Fantasy fans.
2: They say 8 to 13-year-olds, but it's going to be a bunch of 30-year-olds watching this. Oh, well, you segued
3: yes. into my point there, Katie, which is that fans of this game, at least the ones who played it when they are, originally came out, which are the age we are, which is, like, you know, it's,
2: which is like 15 to 40.
3: Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> thank thank now, you for being that, generous, there, I, I, Katie. Th- <laughs> <laughs> I definitely
0: think, because it seems like it's going to be a series that's going to be put into syndication. Right. Uh, and I think with Nine in particular, because Nine has a very focused, uh, high fantasy steampunk, very vibrant aesthetic, I definitely think it's the sort of thing that I think would pick up well in a very kind of animated uh, children's style. Like, look at Vivi. I have... I have, or uh, in in my possession, is a is a VV plush that is very just cartoony and lovely. VV being the little black mage dude. Um, See, so yeah, I know I think it could adapt very well to like a children's cartoon. Uh, now, the thing that gives me pause though is I went and actually had a quick glance at Cyber Group Studios, and their catalog uh, consists of a lot of very cheap animation. Nothing particularly, like, notable, uh, but, like, it seems like a lot of very, kind of, a uh, very cheap 3D animation.
3: Oh, so, no. Um, yeah, the I, I'm of not- kind stuff Mother's Basement complains about, that kind of thing.
0: Not even that. See, because there's, mm. like, I mean, like, very cheap, like, children's animation. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, so, again, like, it, I-, I I don't know is essentially where I'm kind of coming off with this. I'd want to see, I definitely want to see a lot more details. I, I, I had that initial excitement that has been tempered now, but I'm not immediate. like I didn't immediately see this and just condemn it. Mm. Just saying like, no, this is dead in the ground because again, Square have money to burn. Uh, <laughs> so I, I definitely think like, you know, if Square are licensing this, I'd say they probably want at least a modicum of quality so I I am intrigued, certainly certainly intrigued. Uh, so far, I think they're they're shooting for like a late twenty twenty one dev cycle uh, to, to to develop the series. So we're probably not going to see it until at least late twenty twenty two, right? Uh, so
3: more info on that later. But that's yeah, this one threw me for a loop, guys. <laughs> yeah, because I mean you kind of covered it already, but like you know. Final Fantasy, say, 7. That's one that's been continually, continuously, my apologies, famous ever since it came out. 10 has people either know it through memes or through nostalgia. Like, even 13, much as it's maligned, kind yeah, of has so its like- own little fan base. But 9, great as it is, is feels like a bit of a niche one to adapt. So this is a bit of a weird move, like
0: again it might it might be as simple as it is the most vibrant and they were just like we want to develop a children's cartoon how about we pick the one with the monkey man
3: <laughs> yeah actually let's run down that there's a monkey man there's a little to- uh black mage with no face there uh, is there's,
0: there's a big frumpy dumb uh, guard i love starting with eyeliner pits. on uh, We've got a princess in an orange jumpsuit. Uh, we have a rat
3: person dragoon, a uh, unicorn type person who's also a child, uh, a man who is useless and has big hair, and is grumpy. And is grumpy. And, and useless. oh my god! I and then a queener. Yes, use the a, skills a... you use to bring uh, Arthur Matt Damon to life to describe <laughs> to an audience unfamiliar with what. Queena from Final Fantasy IX is
0: Queena and, and Queena is also a, a from a race I think they're called the Q's okay they are swamp dwelling folk that have very clown like face uh facial features all of them have a giant tongue just drooping out and all their entire motivation in life is to eat
2: oh I just looked it up <laughs>
0: Oh, no. (laughs) They are, they are strange, yet endearing.
3: Yeah, if you made Jar Jar Binks work, you'd end up with something like (laughs) Queena. If Queena is also the only party member who is entirely optional. Entirely optional, and I feel like someone would comment if we didn't point it out. Non-gender defined. Oh, yeah, no, non-binary, yeah. They specifically put he slash she whenever uh, their pronouns come up, which is a very peculiar thing for a game from which, the 90s or even yeah, now. Which, which, is, which is what we're
0: thinking in, a, in an English-translated Japanese game from the yeah. PS1 era. <laughs> yeah, no, like, yeah, no. Queen is absolutely an oddity in gaming, and they're kind of, again, they're part of the reason why this yeah. game is just so full of character. Like... One of the main characters is this strange clown creature, and yet I kind of still like it.
3: What, Thorn and Zorn?
0: No, main character. They're, no, they, they, they're, no, no. No, why would you, why would you bring them up? Why, why would you do this?
1: Well,
3: after Queen, I thought
1: all that
0: was <laughs> Yeah, but they suck. <laughs> <laughs> they're two of the antagonists. They uh, are imperialist clown folk. As you that's do. the other. That's the other thing, because uh like again, details on the ground of the show are very light on like what the show is covering. If it is just an adaptation of the game's plot, or if it's just kind of a a, a retreading, or, or like could just a be story set in the of... universe. Yeah. So, because again, as I said, as vibrant the aesthetic of Nine is, Nine deals with some heavy st- like. Final well, Fantasy games obviously do not shy away from particularly heavy subject materials. Nine deals in a lot, a lot of war tragedies and a lot of genocide.
2: Sounds about right for a Final Fantasy game. <laughs>
1: yeah, perfect. <laughs> like, for my my the. Frame,
2: my only frame of reference is I've only, the only one I've played is eight. So Ooh, it was, bad it was very, what do you mean bad pick? It was amazing. Yeah, but eight's the most confusing
3: story of all of them, and that's saying something.
2: Yeah, it's great. I love it, <laughs> but it was very war-heavy. <laughs> I okay, think but... most, like that's again,
0: that's that's Final Fantasy. Yeah, uh, most of them, most of them have some sort of major global conflict going on.
2: Giant war spiders. Giant, uh, yeah. Uh,
3: my favorite, like Final Fantasy, meme is one that literally just lists how all of their, the, the, all of them are similar to Star Wars. I mean, it's a great, like, kind of caption game, if you can think of it. Like, you know, like Star Wars, but environmental, Star Wars, but clowns. Star
2: I Wars think is if, you, if you work hard enough, you can probably bring anything back to Star Wars.
1: True. I mean, certainly the, on Lucas, this show. That, that's what this show. The, the, <laughs> ah, this I beat you to does. it, Bryn. Yeah. If there's two <laughs> things this show does. It's one of them is certainly talking about Star Wars <laughs> and making anything tie back to it. So.
3: And speaking of which, I'm talking about <laughs> the Bad Batch.
1: I'm sure sure you are.
3: The proper Bad Batch with the lovely kind of weird 80s action heroes and one kid, I think, from New Zealand. Have you guys seen this? No. Just me then. Excellent. Okay, so it's incredibly wholesome and very fun and it's like a really, really good, compared to other Star Wars shows, it's a really easy one to just pick up and get. It's basically the story of uh, these four or five, like, clones who are all defective. And because they're defective when the thing that happens at the end of the Clone Wars happens, their chips don't work and they're just fine. So, knowing that stuff's about to go down, they take this, uh, what's the word? Like, kind of genius, young clone kid. And they... Ah. My brother is passing me an action figure from the show for those watching online. And um, it's just about them going from place to place, trying to pick up fuel, trying not to get arrested and having lots of wholesome journeys along the way because that's what it's all about with lots of Star Wars references. There's another one.
2: The real treasure was in the friendships we made.
3: The real treasure was <laughs> in the friendships we made. It, it, You know what? That is actually it. This is not a grim, like clone wars we've got to have deep thoughts about societal things or like a big reference heavy rebels or whatever resistance was much as i love it this is just fun you can stick on an episode and it's just a self-contained and it's just fun yeah i I love it to bits
0: okay i'll plead my case because i i haven't watched it and aside Mm. from the you know the 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 modicum maybe of star Mm. wars burnout that I think is acceptable. Mm. I think I pushed off it because I watched, I I watched all the Clone Wars and Mm. they basically soft piloted this in the final season of the Clone Wars. Yeah. And I just, I remember watching that episode and it just, I don't know the, like the reason I just kind of bounced off it is because the dynamic, the comedy dynamic to me just felt
3: trite. Is this in Clone Wars now? Yeah. In in the, the Clone Wars. Okay.
0: So, like, if that was kind of to indicate what the Bad Batch show, kind of the dynamic of the Bad Batch mm. show, it just, it, I, I just, it, I just bounced off
3: it. I just, I just, like, it didn't seem particularly endearing. It didn't seem particularly funny. Well, okay, that's fair. But, like, I think, uh, the magic ingredient they have, which is an ingredient that most, that usually kills most things, even in Star Wars, is the addition of the kid, Omega. Because, like, She is the like the best protagonist ever because she's never seen the universe. She doesn't know anything, but she's very chipper and she brings out a nice quality from all of those characters. Like, you know, there's a tough one that's strong that she bounces off. There's a expert one. There's one who used to be like a main character in Clone Wars. I'm going to have to get their names up now. Uh, But... She it's, is really a good it's not him. really the clones bouncing off each other so much as them learning to be parents shared parents to one kid who is very chipper but doesn't know anything about the universe and that is kind of the emotional heart of it and then in the background all of the star wars setup of the empire is happening so for the canon nerds there's that too but it's not what the show is about if you know what i mean sorry brian i heard you starting yeah. to talk there
1: it was basically just I was basically just shadowing off your, what you were saying it's um like omega is very much a a really good foil for the rest of the characters to just bounce around bounce off of because you know like especially because they're all kind of like quite serious and then she's just like oh isn't isn't, the, isn't everything we do so interesting and they're like yeah i guess in different, you know in different ways I, I have to say though overall i am very i want to love the show but i'm very lukewarm on it i feel like um i feel like it's uh it to me it hasn't hit its stride just yet Like there's been good episodes but it's not the same thing as going going like every episode is absolutely nailing it uh, nailing the run like it's doing a lot of it's laying a lot of uh, groundwork, groundwork and foundation right now. So I'm trying to be patient with it, but I haven't. I, I wouldn't be as as enamored as you have been with it, Keen, just yet, because it just hasn't. You know, I, I'm still very much aware that like we're not, we're, that we're only like if this is like a if this is a book, we're only like we're only we're still only like a few chapters in before we actually get to, before we get through to the rest of the story. So I'm just trying to be patient with it right now.
0: So let me ask. So, okay, because I haven't been watching it. So it's releasing week on week, but they're small, like 20 minute episodes. very episodic. Do you, from the sound of things, do you think the show would have benefited from being dropped Netflix style?
2: No, I don't
3: think so. I think... What I find appealing about this compared to the Clone Wars is that every episode is just a 20-minute... Like, there is a narrative overall, and they're doing that really well. But every week is just an adventure. They have to go get a rancor. They have to go rescue someone. They've run out of fuel. They're going to have to rescue it without being caught. I think if they dropped all 16 or whatever of those at once, it would become overwhelming and feel repetitive but it's perfect it's a perfect antidote to say something like you know the winter soldier where it's clearly a narrative that's been broken up into six different pieces or something like that it's just nice to have something with a beginning middle and end uh, like one division in some respects but you know have a weekly show that gives you a full and completed thing Every week that's been phased out of TV in a huge way at the moment. So I, I quite like the way we we're released. What do you think, Bryn?
1: Um yeah, I, I, I very much see arguments for both. Like I think it's I think it's nice to have something to look forward to every week, but that's as about as strongly as I feel about it. Um I definitely would prefer if it like even if it was more like they would do uh for lack of a better word I wish they would do it in batches <laughs> 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 where where like uh, ah, good batches <laughs> yeah where mm. like you know, even if it was like you know three four episodes at a time and just kind of and just dump them out so that you can kind of watch a couple over a few days and you know have that kind of time with them. Um,
3: well I mean to be fair the first episode was like eighty well, minutes long that, so you yeah. got that in one respect and equally like you know as a consumer you do have the option of just waiting. Like, you know, if you want Mm -hmm. to watch them in batches and that kind of stuff. But like, if... Because like, I'm struggling with this today. I haven't seen today's episode or this week's episode of Loki. But the internet tells me, even if I'm not looking for it. So Mm. if they dropped all of them at once, I think it'd be really hard to not have that kind of spoiled for you. Do you know that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, well, that's always like the, the issue as well. Is that like when you when these shows get dropped on one go, there is that imp, there is that impulse to go, I need to watch all of it so it doesn't get spoiled. You know? And that is definitely one of the benefits of having it be a week by week rollout, because then it's not as it's not as intense for it, you know? Hmm. Um like it, it is a tricky one. Like I don't think um like yeah, I, I think it is very much a case of like going, oh well you could just wait for it, but the problem the problem with that is that like you're, you're like as time goes on you're more and more likely to hear something through the grapevine like someone could easily be listening to this show right now who is fully planning on on the uh, on them um, going oh I'm gonna wait for all of Bash, ba- Bad Bash to be up before I start watching it. And now here we are talking, you know fully able to talk about the first like six or seven episodes well have we out, haven't really so. spoiled any major plot no. twists yeah or it's anything. been more of
2: a synopsis than anything
1: yeah but yeah. See, again we've had six or seven episodes to talk about so <laughs> you know we can't really get into the, the mm. nitty gritty of all of them but like it, it you know what i mean it is it is one of those things where like through no follow own, we could easily do a spoiler for um for like something that happened in episode three or four you're you lucky know? dara isn't here
3: listeners that's all we'll say
1: yeah but yeah i mean like, I, like again i think um i do, like the the major the only like real negative i have with the show at all is um is the and again this is spoilers for the first two episodes so the um oh what's the name of the of uh the guy who's part of the bad batch who then like stays with the empire can't think of the character's name uh crosshair Crosshair, yeah. So, like, the thing I didn't really like was that, like, his vocal performance from the beginning just like tells tells you the story before he even does anything, and it's just like, I, I just have a pet peeve about that. I hate when voice acting is so obvious that you're going, oh, he's a bad guy, straight. Well,
3: away. I mean, to be fair, you do have one actor playing yeah. seven or eight main characters who are ostensibly all the same person. Yeah. So I do give leeway as in that people. regard
1: yeah but th- there's a way to do that without making them ostensibly go oh, he's playing a bad guy with this role you know what I mean like um it's, again it's what like I get what they're going for with it It's just one of those things i'm not i'm 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 rarely a fan of burying the lead for a heel turn um it just it never sits well with me so. well I mean
3: as a twist, it happens in the first episode it's not like a huge yeah. mid series reveal or something like that,
1: yeah. No, again, I know what they were going for, but it's just, it's it's still it's just one of those things I don't like it, um, especially because especially when the, there have been uh, instances where it's done really really well. Like, um, and this is <laughs> this is a tangent, but I don't know if any of you ha- have seen or remember Gargoyles, which is another mm-hmm. Disney animated series. It's on mm-hmm. Disney Plus. It's, it is. Yeah. It's something
3: everyone keeps talking about, and I've literally no idea what it is.
1: Oh, it's, it's so um, good, dude, dude! You'd love it. Jonathan Frakes is in it. Ooh. Um, it's like, about
2: I'm, gargoyles literally I,
3: that's literally <laughs> the only thing I know
2: yeah here's, well, here's,
0: a, here's an
3: another detail for you they're
1: hunky yeah.
2: they're hunky gargoyles Keith, in yeah, loincloths Keith,
1: da- Keith David plays the, the the leader and hero of the story as a gargoyle and his his voice is just fantastic in it but um, the bit okay elevator pitch for it is: it's a bunch of gargoyles they live in Scotland and they fail to save uh, the uh, they fail to save a castle that they're protecting from Vikings so they get uh, cursed to uh, to stay as stone figures until the castle has uh, risen above the ground. Fast forward a thousand years, they're now put on a skyscraper in New York City and now they can come back to life. And yeah, uh, but there's an episode in it where like Jonathan Farrick's character, Anatos, who's been the primary villain for the entire thing. He's basically Lex Luthor, but with hair and a pony- that goes down as a ponytail. And... Um, and like, there's, a, there's an episode in where like it looks really clearly like he's the, he's at fault but Jonathan Frakes is so good at, at making you think that he's a good guy that you actually give him the benefit of the doubt and then he, he ends up being the bad guy in the end anyway and you're just like, oh man, that's brilliant you know, and because of that, that's kind of the standard now that I hold everything to because I'm like that's that's what I want in, in a viewing experience. The I proper fry is like... I want to be fooled by by right. villains because that's what they should do, <laughs> do you
3: know well I mean? I mean star wars isn't a great vehicle for surprise villains in general but i would say we're only halfway through the series i think certainly i won't say what it is but the last cliffhanger at the time of recording was a oh. great one and i feel like this show is doing a great job of being of keeping you guessing what's going to happen every week even though you know it's going to be they're going to be stuck in a place and do a thing like, apart from that aspect of it. But, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't call judgments on Crosshair just yet. I feel like they're still going to throw some curveballs. They've got some conspiracy things in the air, even at this time of recording. Like, you know, so mm-hmm. I, all I'd say is I'd reserve judgment. Dave Filoni generally knows how to ha- make a story have a good beginning, middle, and end. Like, Absolutely. you know, unless people like, are meddling with this stuff,
1: you know. We're only at the halfway point of this, of the, of the, of this season, so, like, I think it's too early to call time on it. And again, like, I mean, the the voice acting thing, it's the only negative thing I have. And it's like a nitpick from the beginning of the season. It's not like, Mm. you know, it's not like I'm saying the foundation of the show doesn't work, Mm. you know?
3: Speaking of voice acting, though, they have the the barmaid from Cheers as their, like, kind of boss. Mm. Like, you know, and I think that's a nice bit of casting there. I like it when Star Wars kind of reaches beyond its familiar voice thing and gets someone completely out of left field in there. Like, you know. They don't do it as often as they should, really.
1: Yeah, it's like they had a Gilbert Gottfried in an episode and for a character as well in Clone Wars, of memory serves. I think he played a Hut.
3: That's right. They've had George yeah. Takei. They've had David Tennant, like you know, for guest appearance. But they're few and far between. Generally, they kind of, for whatever reason, stick to their kind of wheelhouse of actors and that kind of mm. stuff. But cool. I don't know, I was just like,
1: pleasantly surprised. It's I don't always, know, Casey. It's Katie. always nice when you recognize a voice, I think.
0: They they did that a bit though in the Mandalorian with uh like was yeah, J- uh, Jason Sudeikis was one of the clone rivers. Mm. Oh yeah. So like I yeah, the glad like I think they were definitely doing that, doing a bit more of that with Mandalorian. Um and... well, they had Werner Herzog. <laughs> God, like... Werner Herzog. Yeah, like so. I think, yeah, with with Disney money, I'd say I'd probably see a lot more of that. Uh, I, sorry. I don't
3: think it's a lack of money issue. I think it's a lack of sort of, I'm not going to say imagination, because there's no imagination getting someone famous in for your thing. But, you know, there's kind I, of...
2: I think it's more a case of they have the actors that they normally use because they know they're reliable, so they just stick mm. with that.
3: Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I just say I, this I, from... I think
1: they always bring in the actors who are fun Mm. you know who add like a fun element to the to the shows and that's never a bad thing when you're yeah like, oh look you know it's like okay, well, you notice it's George K it's fun that you notice it. it's not like you're going oh so they've brought in George K oh I see how it is yeah. I
3: don't know I'm just coming off like Avatar The Last Airbender which is finished and DuckTales and now and again they'll just throw in a random voice you. oh oh I wasn't expecting that where the stakes are changing up a bit even if they don't stick around like you know it's just something I've noticed in the Star Wars cartoons in general, which that's, I would like to see more of, you know, just a, just a bit more variety. That's all. I know that's not easy in a show that's ostensibly about clones <laughs> where they're all clones doing clone things.
2: But if, Orphan, a- if Orphan Black can do it, I'm sure they can do it. True. Let's, True. let's not,
0: I I know I will, I, I'll say let's not hold things to like a Tatianimus Lani standard because that is impressive yeah she's
2: just on another level
0: she's just yeah no that's like let's let's not hold the bar that high but like (laughs)
3: uh
0: which actually
2: confirmed if she's she-hulk or not yet it no it was a it was a hoax
3: okay they have to update the wikipedia because i checked it and it's still her on there yeah
2: no apparently she was interviewed because they asked her if she was excited about it and she was like nobody approached me it's not a thing
3: (laughs) yeah because when i heard it i was like oh that's cool that can't be real
2: yeah, you know I'm mean? very not. disappointed. I'm very now, very disappointed.
3: Having said that, that was my reaction when I heard about both Cumberbatch and Brie Larson. I was like, "That sounds like a fan picked that. I don't believe that." And they came true. So mm. you know, who knows?
1: Yeah,
0: I felt um, the same maybe, way when Ed maybe she was
1: as, as Bruce Banner back in the day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you got your cake; you got to eat it too. It was true. Now it isn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but actually, let's, let's pivot back because you said you so, Keen. You have now finished Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yeah. How do you feel having watched what is st- like has I'd say ostensibly become one of the most we- well critically received uh, television uh, children television series of
3: all time? Well, I would say it's not still current, but um, yeah, it's I really really enjoy. I struggled with the first season, if I'm being honest. It had that ingredient. I mean, I I praised it in the bad batch because I, I kind of I'm already I'm already on to Star Wars, you know, but uh, yeah, it's I struggled with the first series because it felt like it was good, but like when you have a young baby, like sometimes you might only get twenty minutes a day, and like you know, it kind of felt like it was spinning its wheels for a while. Once it got into series two and three, and you got really emotionally invested in the characters, and there was a big arc about the Earth City and all those wonderful guest actors I mentioned, yeah. It was really, really good. I've just started the spin-off, the core thing as well. And like the more I look into it, having finished it, like I'm following this wonderful YouTuber who breaks down all of the kind of Chinese and Japanese references. Like the fact that each of the elemental classes have their own martial arts, like Mm -hmm. that each fighting style is based on a real martial arts fighting style. Like there's so many details. Mm -hmm. I got really, really invested in it. And so did my two-year-old, which is a sign that you're doing something well in your animation when there's an intellectual level and like a visually stimulating level that don't contradict one another. Like, you know, you're onto something really, really special there. I loved it to bits.
2: Yeah, I think the only problem with the first season of Avatar and like Korra suffers from this as well, the first season of Korra, is there's a lot of world building that needs to happen before you can actually get into it. So it seems kind of you know because they're introducing characters and creatures and also, and it just seems kind of mismatch
1: mm. until it's, it's it actually gets into it.
0: Like it's a lot of just very like non-expositional world building, which can be tricky to pull off while also like still very early on, still trying to cater to a Nickelodeon age range. Yeah. So but, like, yeah. It's, it's trying to find that balance of still being kind of wacky, goofy enough to like be really approachable for that for that young age group. While also setting the setting the base ground for this high political drama.
2: Yeah, yeah, and like they, in fairness to them, they do pull it together. You know, usually by around halfway through, um, the f- for well for Aang it was halfway through the first season. For Korra, it was it probably wasn't until season two. Like, but that was written for an older audience as well. You know, like I struggled with the first season of it. I thought it was really really dull, um, and then it just got amazing from there.
3: Yeah, actually, I'll talk about Cora more in a sec, but, like, I think... I mean, to be fair, I can't think of a show like Avatar The Last Bender before it existed. I mean, sure, The Clone Wars didn't exist before that, but, like, in terms of what it's trying to achieve, and the first series very much has... You kind of mentioned it there. Like, it was trying to have its kind of adventure-a-week lesson-learning thing as well as have the overarching thing. And until... Zuko starts to become complicated it seems like that's the mold it's going to stay in if you know what I mean so mm-hmm. I when I started watching it I thought that the praise for it came more from nostalgia than from you know critical perspective if you know what I mean
2: yeah well I mean like I watched it I think I first watched it kind of as a late teen early 20s so mm. I was already like late coming into it Um. but like Zuko is just he, he's definitely one of the best written character arcs I've ever seen. Mm. Like, it's just totally. so well done. Can't
1: believe oh, it's yeah. Rufio from Hook as well.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's Rufio. Like
1: <laughs> What? Yeah, yeah you
2: know from Rufio, from Rufio from Hook.
3: You keep saying these words and I don't know what they mean.
2: Have you, so, have you
0: uh, seen uh, Hook? You you see, Johnny Young
1: the, We're getting uh, no, more words. Uh, so, uh, Rufio, have you ever seen um th- there's a Steven Spielberg Peter Pan movie? Called With Robin Hulk. Williams. Oh, Hook. Yeah. Oh, okay. H O O K. I was. I was like, and like then who's Hulk? Like, what? Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Rufio, who's a character who has the singing sword in it, and that's the same guy who plays Prince. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Young Bosch is not the same guy. Johnny Young Bosch was a Power Ranger. Oh, Um, oh, okay. No, that is my mistake. I absolutely mixed that up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ishigo will get another go around. (laughs) Yeah. No. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah.
3: um, And actually, you've kind of alluded to something there. Top-notch voice cast across the... Like Mae Whitman, who plays guitar, Mm. is in loads of things. Hilariously, she's like the kid in Friends who Ross accidentally pushes down the stairs just to like be like kind of her like Girl Scout or whatever oh it was. Oh my
2: is that Katara? That's her.
3: Yeah, the 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 one female ex in Scott Pilgrim. That's her too. Uh, you've got like guests coming in, like Jason Isaacs, Mark Hamill, George Takei. Like, kind of, you've got Ron Perlman pops in for one episode. Like, you've got top-notch regulars and guests.
1: Jennifer Hale is in it as well.
3: True, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's a voice cast i never actually dug into to have
0: a look, but I, if, if somebody could spot me the name, whoever voiced Azula absolutely needs more awards because that vocal yeah, performance is a out of this oh, world. Well. She's, she's a
2: veteran voice actor. I, I, can't, I, can't I don't remember. know her name, but We're like that, it's this.
3: outstanding.
0: Yeah. yeah, and, and actually,
2: that, Dalil. she she's that... Catwoman.
3: Ah, I see. Okay. Well, that actually alludes to something I um, was impressed with generally, which is that not on, maybe I could be on, on a completely wrong track here. Katie, I'll consult you about this. But I was really impressed with the way the female characters were presented and written across the whole thing. Because, oh, like, yeah. and, it, and it goes straight back to the first, to one of the earliest episodes where. Um, you have, they go to a village, and um, what's the name of the clowny guy in their group? Sokka. Sokka. Sokka, yeah, Sokka. And Sokka's whole thing is that, like, he doesn't get how all the warriors in the village oh, the are girls. Warriors. Yeah, the Kyoshi warriors. And he was like, I'm sorry, I, you're, you're great warriors. And she's like, No, I don't. No, you don't get it. I am a great warrior and a girl. Like, you know, and that's so simple. And, like, you've got three major female villains who are. But- in the second series, were are all very well drawn. You've the wonderful blind character. Like it's
2: the, the thing about the the thing I loved about how they handled the Kyoshi warriors as well is that yeah, it is a village of female warriors. Mm. And Sokka gets kind of all up in himself, being like, They can't be as good as me because I'm a man. Mm. So he kind of put he steps to them and they, you know, they knock lumps out of him. And then instead of being like really annoyed about it, he actually sits back and goes, Okay, I can learn something from these women and you know he gets he's like we well, you, you know he gets them to train him and mm. they train him exactly the way that they would train a woman as in he has to put on the outfits and the makeup and everything but he just does it mm. you know because he's been humbled it's not like he's annoyed that he was beaten by a girl it's like okay how can I better myself as a person and a warrior
3: yeah exactly and like you know the characters all do grow and change in incredibly subtle ways I mean sure without giving away too much like Ang gets the confidence knocked out of him by the end between all the apa stuff and the fire nation stuff. Oh my god, the the villain he the Suko's sister like well. you know, like she is a completely different character by the time you reach the end than when you start like, you oh, know. Oh
0: yeah, no, Azula's villain arc is one of the most fascinating psychological trips into how to break a spirit. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, then you have, you
2: have characters like Ty Lee who are just all around powerhouses and anytime she shows up, everybody's just like, oh crap, you know, what do we do now?
0: <laughs> and then Toph, who has very little of an emotional arc and is absolutely one of the best characters in the show.
3: Yeah, Yeah, actually, and generally you wouldn't get a lot of blind characters in major media and equally I think there's a recurring character who is like one of the Airbenders who's in a wheelchair and they don't make a fuss about it. In fact, they have like very tasteful jokes about Toph's blindness. Like, you know, I think your artwork looks great. It's it's always
0: that's it, it's like the 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 clever thing with it is it's always Toph who will make the joke about her blindness, and it's very rarely deprecative. (laughs) Yeah, 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 but like as
2: well as that they have like, yeah, they have these disabled characters that are still fully rounded characters, they're still perfectly able to take care of themselves, they're not pandered to, nobody has to hold their hand Mm. like it's just, it's well-rounded cast Yeah,
3: and like, you know, they're self-aware enough that the penultimate episode can be a theatre show recounting their adventures incorrectly, like that (laughs) takes a superb level of like awareness of why your show works to be able to do it badly as a joke and then throw a neat sting at the end like it, you know it
1: also it also shows how great top is because she's the only one who takes it in good humor mm. everyone else is like oh I, this is this isn't fair this isn't a good Adam, a good representation of who i am
3: <laughs> yeah but actually Toph is a good kind of case study because like you meet a character and you're led to make an assumption about them. And Toph joined, and she's quite bratty. But then, like with Zuko, over time, you realize there's actually more to them than was being presented. Like, uh, Zuko's uncle would be another case like that, like, you know. It's, oh, it's, Iro. Yeah, Iroh. Like, I mean, you in a way, Avatar is working against the conventions of its own genre in terms of being a kid's animation, because it sets up tropes. But it, like, to use your phrase, Brit, it kind of buries the lead and gives you information subtly and then brings it to the forefront exactly when it needs to deliver an emotional punch. And it's just, it doesn't feel like they were lazy with any of their characters. No,
0: it, it is a masterwork of like macro storytelling mm. with this grand adventure saga. But even like on the smaller scale, like I, I condemn you to think, that Iroh's story in Bassing City Tales, mm. Bassing say, City Tales, mm. isn't one of the greatest pieces of like short story literature.
3: Mm. It,
0: it breaks, it's so heartbreaking. But I it's cried only a
2: fraction so of an
0: episode. Mm.
2: I cried so much at all of that episode. It was just perfection.
3: But that is uh, kind of a testament to the creativity that in the middle of this big, long, complicated arc, they took the time to have five, like, four-minute stories that don't progress anything, but just kind of have fun with the nature of their but premise. But, I
2: mean, even the, even the level of depth that they went into to include the actors in the story, like, as far as I'm aware, that episode, Tales of Bass sing Say, that song that Iroh sings was written about the actor's son. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. so as far as I'm aware, his son was actually in the military. And you know he wrote they wrote that song for his son and then the voice actor i don't know if you noticed. about halfway through the show he swaps voice actor so the original voice actor passed away and they recast him and then even the guy who they recast i can't remember his name but the guy who was the new voice actor when he was going to conventions and stuff they would ask him will you do the iroh song and he would say no that's not my song that's his song
3: oh really i didn't know that okay Mm. Is that why Iroh is missing for a quite a long while or
2: um I couldn't tell you. I mean okay. it could be. They they maybe they were looking for an actor and they just kind of wrote him out for a while. But, but that's yeah. but even
3: that's testament to how because like in terms of a big long TV narrative, like unfortunately I don't know his name, but the the author of the of Breaking Bad, all the series, like he said that he had planned the ending, but he realized sorry Vince Gilligan. Vince Gilligan, thank you. But he realized that the journey to getting to the ending may not be what he had originally thought. Mm. And that shows a degree of flexibility, because like the obvious kind of, because I'm citing Lindsay, Lindsay Ellis here, is the Game of Thrones thing, where they planned an ending, the show organically went in a different direction, so when they did that planned ending, it felt forced. And obviously yeah. there must have been a great deal of care behind, if that, like, considering that anecdote, that is crucial to Iroh's backstory, so they must have had an ending planned, but also been flexible in how they reached that point. Because by series two, it feels like a completely different show, you know.
0: Mm. Oh, like those that's it's it's
1: as well, are the things that kind of separate it from from Korra because Korra doesn't have those moments. Oh, okay. Like, to the detriment of Korra's run, I like again, like I would be, I'm a, i am would, I would say that like. Korra, I recently re-watched it and I found it much more enjoyable than when I watched it initially where I was watching it week by week and it suffered in that experience I found.
3: Well, I mean, Korra now, I've only watched one episode. I don't want to go too much into it, but in a way it made me feel sad about Star Wars because Korra takes the ending, moves it further into the future, but makes interesting and logical decisions about nature of its world it does the kind of whole new republic thing that star Mm. wars pretends to do but never really does that's just kind of backdrop to get back to the same type of storytelling it's got like metal benders which are cool little ideas automobiles and just jet like you know this movement against benders like you know so nothing overtly political but you get the sense of both progress and heritage which is something again i think star wars always strives for and never gets for some reason so yeah, i'm em- wars, i'm hugely impressed with this weird. franchise overall like they seem to i think um the best way i can say it is uh, i'm reading a lot of elizabeth sandifer things about dr Who the long and she has a wonderful quote which is that if the show doesn't care about its characters why should you And I think in Avatar, they genuinely care about each and every one of their characters, which is why they all come back in some shape or form near the end, you know.
2: I I don't know. I think like in terms of just being in the Avatar universe, I think Korra kind of shot itself in the foot just purely because, you know, obviously it wanted to show this is the next iteration Mm. of the Avatar. Time has passed. The world has evolved. And it kind of, it wanted to show that so much that for the entire first season, it goes away from almost everything that Aang was, which is what people Mm. loved about it. And then they realized that, you know, obviously people still liked it, you know, it was a good show in its own right, but it was too different. And so they kind of, the next three seasons, they bring it back to what Aang was, but then it, it doesn't really resolve. Like each season is standalone and then it just kind of ends. There's no, like, there's no, you know. It raises a
0: lot of really interesting ideas to progress that world. And as I said, it's very different, but also very aspects of it very much try to recapture that by trying to kind of retrofit this new team avatar that, never quite They don't. Yeah, they don't the gel. They,
2: uh, and then, then they,
0: try, yeah. they kind of work around that. Again, I'm, I'm trying not to kind of say too much for, for Keegan's sake.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I still would recommend
0: it. the show. I still would actually actively recommend it. It's, I still think it's a good show. It's just not as good.
2: Yeah. But I like, think it, from- it's
0: definitely got some some really, really great ideas that sometimes falter. I actually, I really like the first season. Uh, yeah. The second season is where it really hits a low point for me. But its third season I would say is as good as yeah. Avatar, just with the the again with without having a particularly grand scale plot that the first that originally that Last Airbender had. It raises these lofty philosophical ideas. Okay, I'm down for
3: that.
2: Yeah, um, and I, I will say that I like that it was written for an older audience as well. Hmm. You know, for a more teenage audience, in that it deals with things kind of even the more romance side of things that the first one didn't really kind of touched on, but it didn't want to go too into it because that was more for kids.
3: Mm. Yeah, that's fair. I, I mean, actually, I thought that, like, the way they handled romance in the Avatar The Last Airbender was surprisingly sophisticated for a kid's thing.
1: Yeah. It, it is, but it's also, like, the difference is that, like, the, like, the, the Avatar sto- or, uh, Aang story very much is has the attitude of going well i'm telling the story over three seasons Mm. chorus chorus suffers from going well stuff has to happen like arcs have to be covered in every season yeah that, that that like that's fundamental to the detriment fundamentally to the detriment of the um of the show um and like it, it doesn't really do a good service to a to a large portion of the characters in it. Again, it it still has its high points. Like I mean, again, uh, season three for me is my is my favorite run. And like, because it, it, again, it not even just within the the philosophical side of things, it also offers up stakes that are that feel very much like a natural progression of not only core story but a natural progression of where. Aang's story finishes off, where you get some really, really interesting ideas that crop up. Um, also, I'm just a sucker for Henry Rowland doing voice acting and <laughs> anything, and the character that he has for season three is just mind-blowing. So, okay.
3: Well, I'm like, glad that you guys said that, because I was getting uh, the the stank of like Star Wars Resistance, where, much as I love it, <laughs> it, it occasionally will forget its own reason for existing for a yeah. few episodes at a time, whereas Avatar in the first episode, you know what they need to do to save the world. And but it I, hasn't... Yeah.
2: Like, as well as that, you know, with Korra being the, the next Avatar, and, you know, I suppose, to put it, you know, on this way, watching it as a woman, seem a female Avatar, she's not very likable. Okay. I, I like, think I, her, I found I think
1: her to be... I think if you give it another watch.
2: It yeah, I found, I don't awesome. know, in season one and stuff, I just found her to be, like, because Aang was like, obviously he's carefree and, yeah. you know, he's fun and he's happy and he loves his friends and, you know, he wants to help and all that, which is great, like, you really endeared to him, but Korra is kind of more...
0: Oh, she's, she's just, brash, she's, she's on, brash, she's brash yeah. unapologetic, violent, yeah. aggressive, like, no, she, she's like, she is. I am
2: the Avatar, everybody bow down to me. And you it's make her sound like, like Zuko. Yeah, it's she's just... I don't know, like for you, not to put tropes on people, but you'd think kind of being a female avatar, she'd be more in tune with things. Yeah. Um, but they kind of opposite. You know, Ang was the one who was more in tune with everything, wanted to help everyone, with, you know, would, would go out of his way to do what he could. And Korra's kind of more like just really in just full of herself.
3: Well, see, I don't mind that personally because it adds the dimension that she is a child who has grown up comfortable whereas all the original mm-hmm. Avatar characters grew up either from a superior or inferior state in a state of war, nevertheless, and yeah. had that sort of put-upon quality. I don't but mind that as a starting I, point, as long as it goes like, somewhere. As,
0: as rough as that starting point is, it does give a lot of room for gross, which she does, as the kind of mm. through pretty intense hardships.
2: Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, at least they gave us Asami as well, who was kind of more of a strong female character. To if anything, to, to Asami, back. I feel
0: like I feel like they did not do give Asami much. I really wish they gave her more. That's yeah, oh yeah, no, a, they absolutely a terribly underdeveloped character. Yeah,
2: but for, that's as, like as she, really is, good she is. She, she she's a good character. Film. She's a cool character, but mm. they didn't do enough with her.
1: It's funny you say that though, because again, having rewatched it recently, like Asami has something going on in every season in a significant way. And like much more than I would say either Mako or Goldberg.
0: Oh, Mako's one dimensional to every (laughs) fault.
2: Yeah, but that that was a plot point. They they used that as a plot point.
1: Yeah. Well, they had to, because it it got really bad. Because he had (laughs) nothing, he had nothing.
2: Yeah, but I I think that was the point as well, Hmm. was that they wrote him as a hollow dimensional character so that, you know, people would learn yeah, he might be. He looks cool and he seems cool, but he's actually got nothing going on. And like, I,
1: I, again, I think like with Cora, with Cora, like she is very unlike. Like in the beginning, she is very unlikable. But like, you know, like she, her kind of the, her arc also ties very much in thematically to the thing of where she she struggles to find balance within herself, and almost every foil that she has is trying to trying to unbalance the world you know and yeah it, it's just one of those things where like I really especially have have gone back and rewatched it I really enjoyed kind of being able to to uh, watch that unfold more because like again watching it week to week for the two or three years that the four seasons came out and it just oh. was much more unpleasant really difficult yeah <laughs> really <laughs> um, pleasant you're going this avatar sucks <laughs> <yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> actually if if I may, I just kind of jump off of this. I don't know if I actually covered this on the show, but did you guys hear about the, uh, the Avatar Studios yes. that came out? No. Yes. So this was announced a couple of months ago because uh, cable networks want to turn streaming uh, into cable again. Hmm. Paramount have announced their streaming services plans Uh, but one of the big things that they've pulled is they have gotten the uh, uh, the the original lead creators of Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, uh, now the names are escaping me. The two Michael Brian Michael Bendis and something DiMartino. Uh, yeah, someone fact check me on this, but they got them and they have founded now uh, Avatar Studios, which is going to be uh. A production studio under Paramount that is only going to be making uh, content in
3: the, uh, uh, the the Avatar Pardon universe. me, Michael Dante, DiMartino, and Brian uh, Kowitsko. Who's Brian Michael Bendis? Is he, he's a comic oh, no. writer. No, he's the, the guy who writes Jessica Jones.
2: The interesting <laughs> thing about this Avatar Studios announcement as well was that it came on the back of, originally Netflix had contracted mm. these guys to do a live action series remake of the ang cycle and you know a little ways into it the the original creators actually left the project because of creative differences and then you know within a couple of weeks or months then they had announced avatar studios
0: right which has left me so intrigued by this netflix live action i can
3: only i can only imagine it's going to be a train wreck
0: it yeah, can't considering,
2: be any worse than M. Night Shyamalan. I think Death
3: Note is still the best of those live-action so remakes so I, far. I,
0: I, I am, I'm going to watch the Netflix live-action Avatar.
1: Just, it, you're sure. assuming it's going to get finished.
3: <sighs> I
2: am. Can we oh, all, well, all watch the, the Shyamalan
3: it. film together as well? I'm as praying and watching.
2: Do not uh, watch the M. Night Shyamalan film. Don't do it. Just. Uh, don't. No, I want to see it, it,
3: though. It takes eight it, people to lift a rock.
2: Yeah. In, no, Dara's, I, in Dara's words,
0: do not pay for it. Uh, acquire it through it's on netflix, for, for, is, it on is, netflix? It?
2: is it's it on netflix yeah well i mean i watched it netflix. no when i say yeah. i watched it on netflix what i mean is i put it on and fast forwarded through it and stopped yeah. at crucial points yeah. uh it, but do I not wouldn't, watch it I wouldn't like if, you, it. if you're gonna watch it just skim through it
3: what are the crucial points
2: you know the the, the main plot points like that they would have in because it only does season one so oh,
3: I see because like I, I know the one. the actor who played Zuko like trashes it publicly despite they couldn't being even in get, it you know
2: it, it was literally like he read the synopsis like well someone gave him a synopsis of the cartoon right. and he read the first two lines and he said got it and made a movie like they couldn't even get his name right I, I have um, heard now um, I I
0: have heard there is uh some anonymous. Uh, forum posting that alleges that Shyamalan actually had very little hand in the production of it and actually should have had wa- no
2: hand in it I would not put acted, my name on that
0: and actually wanted to like was a fan of the series and wants to make it but apparently just all of the creative decisions
3: were not in his control I see I I I'd like to believe that because this seems very much out of his wheelhouse hmm. but like at the same time he had names all yeah. over the production credits.
2: Yeah, he put his name everywhere. And it his is his everywhere. family of
3: people doing it from like the village and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah,
2: he put his name everywhere on that movie. If he yeah, had very so... little hand in it and they changed everything, like it would have been something I'm ridiculous. not saying, saying it's to walk away. just
3: based on um, the, the evidence of the credits. Um, but, um, yeah, so, but I, I think the
0: only thing I'm really kind of hesitant about with this Avatar Studios is, Considering they've said it's only doing avatar only stuff. Only
2: avatar, yeah.
0: I really that that has a that absolutely is giving me warning bells that we are about to get an oversaturation of avatar material.
3: Oh, I thought and it was I, gonna I, be I would, the opposite. I, would, I thought it was really. gonna be like Ghostbusters work. studios who go bankrupt after one project. It's very I mean, possible. It
2: it, it it could be because at the moment most of the people who would be watching avatar are people who grew up with it and they're watching it for nostalgia sake mm. you know so they're gonna have to work really really hard to pull in a new demographic of viewers especially because it's going to be on its own exclusive streaming platform which you have to sign up for so which, like i don't really yeah like this is to, they're really yeah, gonna Paramount have
0: to pull. paramount does not have much else going for it so this is kind of their ace
2: yeah. um but at the same time, I, I, are you going to sign up to a streaming platform just for Avatar? Or are hmm. you going to, you know, in theory, for educational purposes, maybe sail the high seas?
0: Possibly. I'd look,
3: uh, I Look, the amount of people who got, like, bloody Paramount Plus just for Star Trek. It can work sometimes.
2: Yeah, I mean, the amount of people who got Disney Plus just for The Mandalorian.
3: Yeah. But at least you've got Marvel on there and stuff as well, like, you know. Well,
2: you do now, but, like, at the time. Oh, I see. had just got it for The Mandalorian, and then when that finished, they just deactivated their account.
3: Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find out how much money the, but yeah, so the Avatar movie made. Oh. So yeah, so far, they've, uh, they've announced that
0: they're only making, that they're starting off with a movie, which I think is a good call, something yeah. singular, put it out there. I do, like, I, I hope that they don't just kind of linger on that, Singular time zone because they've established this is a this is a universe with a wealth of just with a wealth of stuff just all throughout its time ta- its its timeline.
2: I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they flesh out some of the older avatars, you know, like Kyoshi and, and yeah. stuff like that. If they yeah. flesh those out in maybe Probably in their enough. own standalone movies yeah. or whatever, and then expand on the universe from yeah. there.
0: There is actually there is novels on Kyoshi that are apparently yeah. great. Uh, mm. I haven't gotten around to reading them myself, but like they, written, I think at least had the input of the original creators as well. But uh, yeah, it's Kiyoshi novels, which are excellent.
2: Yeah, I would watch a Kiyoshi movie though. I would be very interested in that. Mm. Mm. Excellent. Well then, Give guys, me Avatar
3: think... Jafar. <laughs> I think we are just at time, so going in alphabetical order, I'll I'll key in, Casey. I'm in the um, middle. Bryn. <laughs> <laughs> Katie in the middle. Bryn, is there anything you want to plug? No. That's, that's <laughs> decisive. No, just no. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, Katie in the middle, how about you?
2: Yeah, I'm just going to plug my shop again because, you know, buy my stuff. <laughs> um, acutely morbid. I've added new stock. And when I'm back, you know, in my workshop in July or august one of those times i'm going to start rolling out new dice designs and stuff so keep an eye out for that because that's more nerdy stuff that everyone can enjoy
3: very true <laughs> Kev, over to you uh what brain said just no except <laughs> no. with more words okay uh i'm also going to plug my um drama classes with uh adhd ireland are still going on an event we will be adding a whole range of extra classes for young kids like zero to four. We're going to be doing like storybooks and stuff. We're going to be doing kind of eight to 12 kids and that kind of stuff. So if you want to do drama for free online, uh, go to Eventbrite, ADHD, and drama. It's all going to be up there. So <laughs> I did my out. first
2: one this week. It is really fun.
3: Oh, thank you, Katie. That's very kind of you. Uh, can can so. endorse. I
2: heartily endorse this product and or service.
3: You walked it back there a wee bit, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I heartily so it, endorse this
0: relatable content.
3: <laughs> <laughs> right. With that relatable content out of uh, the way, uh, I will just say thank you p- to all of us. We'll be back next week, hopefully with Loki, you know, since we still haven't gotten around to that. Yeah. Uh, but until then, uh, this is Keanu O'Calico oh, and the whole team signing off saying
1: check out the wrestling rewind here on phoenix 92.5 fm every tuesday at 8 p.m to 9 p.m and of course over on media.com, the only wrestling podcast by wrestling fans who don't hate wrestling we'll see you then